0: Born to die, he might give eternal life that I might live,
1: then rose again. I'll Welcome to Yankee be. Arnold Ministries. West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. For Jesus saved
0: my soul that night. How many different ways can you talk about
1: Christmas?
0: Let me count the ways. You know, every time you give the gospel, you're talking about Christmas. Because that's what it's all about. People hearing the good news. And didn't the good news start when it says that, Behold, is born unto you this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Joy to the world. Good news. All those things. But I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew, and notice what it says here in chapter one. Matthew chapter one. Probably do a little rambling tonight, but sometimes rambling is good. I, I want you to see something that I believe is important. We often hear and talk about the the birth of Christ was on this wise. Born of a virgin. And why was that so very important? You hear about Jesus Christ was the son of God and he was the son of man. In order to be a redeemer, he had to be the son of man. But in order to pay the price, he had to be the son of God. Because if he was just a man, then he would have had a sinful nature and he wouldn't have been able to make that payment. But he was the son of God. He was perfect. He had no sinful nature. And so the miracle birth that he had, the virgin birth, was actually told about 150 years probably, somewhere into there, before the curse was put upon the line of Jeconiah, Kaniah, and uh, Jehoiakim. Uh, there was a, a line there that uh, God was very disturbed with. And Zedekiah, what a wicked man. Now, see, they came from Josiah. He, he was a good man. He, he was a good king. He started reigning when it was early, and he found out some things that they're supposed to be doing, and Israel wasn't doing, so he... He kind of sets a few things in order. So there was kind of like a little revival. But, you know, revivals don't last long. People go into cycles and things turn bad and ugly. Well, God had told them because of Israel's rebellion that he was going to bring in Nebuchadnezzar. Well, there was prophets that didn't believe that. Prophesied a lie, caused people to believe a lie. And Jeremiah warned the people and they didn't believe him. He put him into a pit. And he got the reputation known as the the weeping prophet because he had a he had an ugly job he had a a, a terrible rough ministry uh, things didn't go well for Jeremiah Jeremiah was well he was a good prophet he warned and his message wasn't always acceptable so because of that he was rejected and put down and ridiculed but. They didn't listen to him. Nebuchadnezzar did come. And what was prophesied did happen. And you would think, well, how would that have anything to do with the birth of Christ? But it does. So here in chapter 1, I just want to look. let see. Look there in chapter 1, verse 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac begot Jacob, and goes down through here and talks about the lineage, but it starts there with Abraham, because, see, God had made a promise to Abraham, and then through his line that uh, the Messiah would come into the world. Well, Matthew pictures Jesus Christ as the king of Israel. That's why in chapter 2, it says in the second verse there, or let's say the Second verse where he says, where is he that is born king of the Jews? So he was born king of the Jews. He had a right to be the king of the Jews. Well, why couldn't Joseph have been the king? I mean, if he was the dad, he he was the next one in line. How come he couldn't have been the king? Well, he couldn't be the king. And there's a reason why. So when you look at this in chapter 1, you'll also notice there in verse 11. And Josiah begat... Jeconiah and his brethren about the time they were carried away to Babylon. So one little statement in here tells you when this took place. Now of course on down the line somebody else was born. If you look there in verse 16, Jacob begot Joseph the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations... From David unto the carrying away into Babylon, 14 generations. From the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ, 14 generations. Of course, that's just a coincidence. You know, just all coincidence. Or there is a plan that God has, and that God has something that He's working on. Now, I don't believe in fatalistic predestination like the Calvinists do. I'm not Calvinist. I do believe that God has a plan and can utilize... The good and the bad decisions of mankind to work out his own will. And so if you notice there in that verse 11, what he says there about Jeconiah and something a little special about that. It it didn't say that about all of them, but it does mention him. And uh, there's a reason. So what I want you to do is take your Bible and turn to the book of uh, Jeremiah. Look in Jeremiah in chapter 36. Jeremiah chapter 36, and look there in verse 30. Jeremiah chapter 36, and verse 30. In verse 30, makes this statement, Therefore thus saith the Lord of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, he shall have none to sit upon the throne of david and his dead body shall be cast out in the day to the heat and in the frost to the night so god says i will punish him and his seed and his seed and his servants for their iniquity and he says that not a one of his seed will ever sit upon the throne of david but the problem is is he was in the right line It was supposed to be through his line, the seed. And that's where Christ was to be born. But he put a a curse upon him. Because he was so rebellious and disobedient to the Lord. Now look there in chapter 22 of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 22. And you'll notice there in Jeremiah 22. And look in verse 28. Jeremiah 22. But let's start up here, first of all in verse 24. Verse 24 kind of gives you a little bit of an idea. He said, As I live, saith the Lord, Caniah the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Now, if you go to 1 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, we'll tell you about, you know, you have Josiah, and he has these kids. And all these kids are mentioned. And... They ruled, and one was a grandson, and so on. But they had a curse put upon their line. And so he says here in verse 24 And as I live, saith the Lord, though Kaniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the signet upon my right hand, yet would I pluck thee hence. And I will give thee into the hand of them that seek thy life, and into the hand of those whose face thou fearest, even into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And into the hand of the Chaldeans, and I will cast thee out. And thy mother that bear thee into another country, where ye were not born, and there ye shall die. So God's telling them, uh, you're not going to have a very good ending. I mean, you're going to have a problem. Things are not going to go well with you. And then he says down here in uh, verse 27, But to the land whereunto they desire to return, thither shall they not return. You'll never come back here. You're going to be taken out of this land and you'll never return. In verse 28, is this man, Kaniah, a despised, broken idol? Is he a vessel wherein is no pleasure? Wherefore are they cast out, he and his seed, and are cast into a land which they know not? O earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, write ye this man childless. A man that shall not prosper in his days, for no man of his seed shall prosper sitting upon the throne of David and ruling any more in Judah. So if this is the case and he is in the right line and the seed has to come through this line, what are you going to do? How is the Messiah ever going to claim the throne because he's the king of Judah and nobody in this line can claim the throne of Israel? So, this was mentioned before God revealed the answer. Now, if you will, look there in chapter 23 and verse 5. Look in verse 5. Here is the answer to the problem. But God didn't tell you how he was going to do it yet, but it's an answer Because he says, I'm going to have someone come that will be my righteous branch. In other words, everybody that is a tree that brings forth bad fruit, he's going to cut down. So that means all have sinned and all will be cut down. The axe is laid to the root of the tree. And everybody is a sinner, so everybody is cut down. But God says, I've got a tender plant that's going to grow up. And this little plant is going to grow up into be a tree, a fruitful tree, a righteous tree. And all of his fruit will be good fruit. He won't have any bad fruit. And he's the one that's going to be my righteousness. Look there in verse 5. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise up unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice. In the Earth, in his days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely, and this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord, our righteousness. Now, in the New Testament, we have several places where the Bible says, Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God has come down, and the Bible says that this righteousness is unto all, but upon all them that believe. So God's righteousness is what we need. And so God says, I'm going to bring my righteousness into the world, and His righteousness is going to be His Son. Now, look very quickly in the book of Psalms. Just look there in the book of Psalms, chapter 2. And you'll notice something written here in verse the second Psalm. And look in verse 1. And verse 1 says, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Against the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Jehovah, and his anointed. That's his Christ. This is the one that's going to come into the world. So here in the second Psalm, we have a verse that talks about God's having a son. And this is the righteous branch that's going to come. And the reason that he has to be of a virgin-born child is because the child cannot have an earthly man as its father. Because of the line, there is a curse put upon the line. And unless God works out a miracle... There's no way anyone after that can claim the throne of Israel. So, how was God going to perform this miracle? Well, I'm glad you asked. Now, if you'll notice there in chapter 2, look in verse 7. In verse 7, he says, I will declare the decree, the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Now, when you read the book of Hebrews in chapter 1, you'll know that this son is talking about Jesus Christ. So did David, whom God used to write this psalm here in a thousand years in advance, know that God had a son, and that the son was the anointed one, was the Messiah, and that the son was coming into the world. And why do the heathen rage? So when you read in the book of Acts in chapter 4, I believe it is, that it says that the foolish people gathered themselves together against His anointed. And talking about them. And then in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 2 it says, If the princes of this world were so wise, why did they crucify the Lord of glory? But you see, God prophesied in advance and tells us that He had a son. And that's why He says down here in verse 11... Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. And look at verse 12. Kiss the son, lest ye he be angry and ye perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Remember a promise that was made to Abraham in chapter 12 of the book of Genesis, that when he called him out of the earl of the Caldeans, and he says, I will bless them, but bless thee and curse them which curse thee. And then all the families of the earth will be blessed because of thee. That the seed that comes from you, Abraham, and Abraham, and all the way down the line, there's going to be some child that's going to be born down the road, in whom the world will be blessed because of this child. Well, this is what he's saying. Blessed, and that word blessed, when you read it in the book of Galatians in chapter 3, is a reference to believing on Jesus Christ Because he would be the one to make the payment for the sins of the world. Because it makes this statement. That the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. Preached before the gospel unto Abraham saying. In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And this blessing is the righteousness of God that comes upon the believer. It is the lost man being justified by faith. So here in Verse 12 of Psalms 2 is the gospel that you're justified, saved, made righteous by faith alone in the Son. See, God told about it, but people don't seem to to catch it. Now, take your Bible and look there in the book of Proverbs. Look in Proverbs. In chapter 30, I believe, the book of Proverbs... And notice there in chapter 30 and verse 4. He makes a statement in verse 4. Who hath ascended up into heaven? Or descended. Now this is found in several places in the New Testament. Who hath gathered the wind in his fist? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name? if thou canst tell. Well, he's named after his father. You know, most people name their kids after them. That whenever it says a child is born unto us, a son is given and his government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Well, that's what he's going to be called. How can you call him the Everlasting Father unless he has an everlasting son? So evidently they might be the same age. But then can anything have age if it lasts for eternity? Betty asked me a nice interesting question today. I'm not sure if I can remember it right. But if we live here for so many years and we live in eternity for so long, uh, when is middle age? (laughs) Can you imagine somebody would ask me a question like that? When is middle age? Well, I I don't really know. (laughs) But uh, compared to eternity, uh, it's not that long. Not going to be long at all. So the Bible tells us that this is what's going to take place. Now go back there to the book of uh, Jeremiah. Back to Jeremiah. And let me see if I can find that verse that I wanted to show you. In Jeremiah... Look in chapter 30, no 36, Jeremiah 36, and just take a look at this word because I showed it to you earlier, but I wanted to show it to you one more time because it's so important. In verse 30, therefore, thus saith the Lord of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, he shall have none to sit upon the throne of David. So we know that this was going to happen He's not going to be able to set up on the throne. So God had said, this is what's going to take place. Now, look there in Jeremiah chapter 39, Jeremiah 39. And notice up there in verse six In verse six says, then the king of Babylon slew the sons of Zedekiah and Riblah before his eyes. Also, the king of Babylon slew all the nobles of Judah. So who is going to claim the throne? You see, he took the king, and this is what else he did. In verse 7, moreover, he put out Zedekiah's eyes, and bound him with chains, and carried him to Babylon. And the Chaldeans burned the king's house, and the houses of the people with fire, and break down the walls of Jerusalem. So this is what he did. And he slew his own sons right before his eyes. And then after he slew him, so that he could see what he did to his sons, then he burned out his own eyes. He put out Zedekiah's eyes and and bound him in chains. Now, did that have to happen? No, that happened because he was rebellious. He, He didn't have to do what he did. He would not believe the prophet of God. He would not believe the word of God. He'd already done seen what and heard what God did to, uh, with Syria and the northern ten tribes, but they didn't think it would happen to them. Well, we're bad, but we're not that bad. Oh, we're bad, but we're not that bad. Well, God, I guess God's the one who determines how bad something is. So when you read the whole book of Habakkuk, the book of Habakkuk is just about this. Lord, why are you doing what you're doing? I mean, you're going to use this nation to whoop us? Well, we're better than them. And God says, I'm going to take them as a rod, and I'm going to whoop you with it. And then when I get through, I'm going to whoop them but whooping you. God moves in strange and mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. He plants his feet upon the clouds and rides upon the storm. So as you go down through here, you can see some of these things. But now, how is God going to get out of this jam? He's in a jam. Can you believe that God's trapped? How is he going to get a son born through the line from Solomon, David and Solomon, on down the line and get on the throne? Well, there was a way. Go back to Matthew. Go back to Matthew. And remember that there's two things that has to be accomplished. One, there is a lineage of Jesus Christ found in the book of Matthew. And this is the lineage that goes all the way down to Joseph. And this is the one that comes from like Abraham and then David and then Solomon. And from Solomon on down the line to where we have Jeconiah who is, has an accursed line. And then lo and behold... On thine Road, we just read it, Joseph. But Joseph couldn't be the king. So how is Jesus going to be the king of Israel when he has to come from this line? So that's why over in the book of Luke, it talks about something just a little bit different. See, it goes all the way back to Adam. And going back to Adam, because Jesus not only has to have a miraculous birth, he has to be the son of God, yes. But he has to be the son of man, To redeem man. All of man. Goes all the way back to the first man, Adam. And comes all the way down the line. But when you get to David, David had two sons. He had Solomon and he had Nathan. And you see, Joseph came through the line of Solomon. Mary came through the line of Nathan. So by these two individuals, Joseph and Mary, getting together and being married, but not in a relationship, Jesus could be born. But if he's going to be born, it has to be a miracle birth. This is why a hundred and something years before the curse was down, the Bible says, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. She has to have a virgin birth. Means that she's not to be touched by a man. So therefore the Bible says the Holy Spirit will come upon her and overshadow her. And that holy thing shall be called the son of the highest. So it was God who fathered the child. Jesus was a son of God. And you have her in the right line from Solomon because God promised that through the line of David and through the line on down to Solomon he confirmed it again but then it came through this line because of the lineage because he has to be of the son of David and he is. But by Joseph, being in the right line, he has a curse put upon him, but Jesus is considered his son legally. But he wasn't his father. So therefore, Jesus could be the son of God, the son of man. He can claim the throne of David and rule in Israel and be the king, just like God promised. And nobody else could Nobody else has the right to claim the throne except Jesus. So that's why you have these two genealogies. One mentioned in the book of Matthew and one mentioned over there in the book of Luke. Go over there to the book of Luke. Look in Luke chapter 3. The book of Luke in chapter 3. Luke chapter 3 tells you about the genealogy of Mary here. And it makes a statement in verse 23. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age. Being and get this. As was supposed. The son of Joseph. As was supposed. He wasn't his son. But he was supposed to be his son. That's why later on when Jesus says. My father, my father, keep talking about my father, my father. And it says, if Abraham were your father, if Abraham were your father, you would believe on me. And they said to him, we be not born of fornication, which was a slap in his face, like you. Because they knew his mother. They knew his dad. They knew Joseph. And they knew that she was found with child before they got married. So you're an illegitimate child. How would you like to live with that stigma and you know it's not true, but people believe it? Dr. Arnold
1: has many items to help you in your walk with the Lord, including videos, books, tracks, outlines to hundreds of sermons, over 4,000 radio messages, and preaching schedule. Once again, feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments Yankee at YankeeArnold.com and he will respond as quickly as possible. That's Yankee at YankeeArnold.com You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at YankeeArnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries 7028 West Waters Avenue Suite 316 Tampa, Florida 33634 that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family.
0: Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today. And every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up.
1: Amazing grace amazes me.